In today's society, everything your heart desires can be ordered with the simple touch of a device. Mobile beauty services are the newest, fastest growing trend around the world. With this new and literally cutting edge service offered by Custom Cuts Beauty, your braids, lashes, even extensions are done on your schedule at your convenience. Log on to the app, create a profile, add payment information, and our certified specialists come to you in the comfort of your environment. Log on today and make your next beauty appointment custom. Ladies and gentlemen, tell you that I am super excited. I have reached a point in my career where people are tagging me <laughs> and DMing me and things that they think I should talk about. And I love that. I love hearing from you guys. And I'm glad that you guys sent me this one specific thing because it gave me an opportunity to put on my investigative hat. And I always love to do that. So we are going to start off the show with a topic that a lot of you guys sent me regarding the governor of New York. We're gonna start off the show with that. And another thing someone sent me, this one happens to be a good friend of mine, Taylor Reed, sent me this moment in time that I didn't even know existed from R. Kelly. We're gonna talk about that because I don't think he's absolutely correct in his assessment. But you guys stay with us at the half starts right now. Made it to Friday, you guys. I had such a great week. Have I ever said this on this show? I be having struggle weeks. <laughs> I had such a great week. I'm actually in Denver right now, visiting my family, taking care of some business out here. So doing that work remotely thing, which I've been doing anyway. I think a lot of us have been doing that, so it's not that hard. But very excited that you guys decided to stop by and join me live on backstage at 4 p.m. And if not, Hopefully you're listening to me on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I am Jackie Ray. You can follow me on all things social media at JRayTheFanatic. And let's just get into it, guys, because like I said, I can't even... Here's the thing. I have to get in the habit of looking at those... Um, what are those requested comments on Instagram? Because I have to admit, I am terrible at that. I don't always look at those. <laughs> Mainly because it's never anything positive. It's always something about something, some some MAGA head that's pissed off about something I said on the fumble or, you know, something inappropriate or one of those disappearing photos. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I just don't really go in there often. I happened to go in there. When was it? I think it was Wednesday. And I don't even know. It had to be about 30 people were like, you know, why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you talking about this? Um, no, not Wednesday. Cause it didn't happen on Wednesday. When did it happen? On, so maybe Thursday, yesterday, I don't know. In the very near recent past, it happened that so many people of you thought I should have an opportunity to comment about this. And I understand why, because I have been one of those people that I've been a big fan, even though he's failed miserably at a lot of things. I have been a big fan of the governor of New York, even though I never say his last name, right. But Andrew, um, Kumo, I think it is. I'm, I'm just going with Andrew Kumo. I think that's what it is. I always say it wrong and I'm going to own that. But he announced this $15 million allocation of money from the New York state budget to promote vaccination in communities across the state that were the hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. 
and I'm reading this part, the funds will be used to strengthen communication, expand public education, and enhance ongoing outreach efforts throughout diverse communities. Okay, so when I hear that, I'm like, all right, you know, here we are once again, regardless of what you feel about the vaccine, that's a whole conversation for another day. We cannot dismiss the fact that our communities, when you're talking about Latino and black communities, were hit the hardest by this virus. So obviously, we've talked about that on this show a lot. There's a lot of reasons for that that I feel like the government should address and they have not, which is why I understand people's reluctancy with the vaccine. Nonetheless, you cannot dismiss that we were hit the hardest. So this comment off top sounds really, really good. So I was like, okay, great. People sent me this one moment from his his speech, which we'll get to in a moment. And I was like, well, that's probably not in context. So I listened to the whole thing. But before I listened to his speech, I read up on this $15 million. And let's just let's just go over to their website. So we're going to go to nyc.gov slash COVID-19 data totals. And then from there, we're going to see the demographic based on what they're saying, because obviously if they want to hit the hardest hit communities, we have to identify who is the hardest hit communities in New York, because it might be different wherever you're at. So go, go ahead on over to that website and buy their own, their own website. You scroll down and we see cases, hospitalizations and death rates. And then right under that, it says, um, this data shows cumulative confirmed cases, hospitalization and death rates. And under that, we select race. Bam. Okay. You see, got, you see how I got there for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. If not, I'm explaining it to you so you can go and check it out as well. So now it's, we, the, the data is just, <laughs> it shows very plainly that the Latino community is the most affected community after that, the black community, and then whites and the, and the Asian community have the lowest cases. That's not hospitalizations or death rates. That is just the cases. So now we have to click on a tab that says hospitalizations and we see that it stays the same at the top. Latinos are still first. Black people are still second. Um, and then it flips though. So Asians have a little bit more than white people, but Asian and white people are still the lowest affected communities. So Latino people remain first in cases and hospitalizations. Black people remain first, remain second in, um, cases and hospitalizations. All right. So now let's go ahead and, and scroll down to the death rate. That's the thing we really want to talk about because if you're being hospitalized, if you're just catching it and you're recovering from it while, while there are a lot of prolonged symptoms that we're starting to hear about, the good thing is you didn't die, you recovered, right? So the death rate is really where we want to focus. So if we scroll down to the death rate, then we see it stays pretty much the same again. Latinos, most affected, black people are second, White people suffer, are dying a little bit more than Asian people, which I was surprised to see. That's in the state of New York. So at least we know when we're talking about most affected communities in New York City, it is Latinos first, black seconds, and it, it's very, very close. The numbers are very, very close. You could probably just lump us all in together to one group, but I know we're, that's not how life works. That's not how our community works, so I understand. So here's where I was like, okay, this is cool. So now we're going to give this money to black and Latino organizations. We, and when I say we in New York, we are not. This is the most asinine moment in time that I have seen. So let's go back to his plan. $15 million is the, the amount of money for this New York state budget to, to promote communications and get people out to get vaccinated. So let's let's break this down by the the organizations that are getting this money. The first organization that's getting money 
$5.5 million has been awarded to the Hispanic Federation. Makes sense. This whole time I've been talking about the Latino community is the highest affected in New York. That makes perfect sense, right? Now let's go down to this next uh, group. The next group is the um, Federation of Protestant Welfare Agencies. They are also getting $5.5 million. This is where, my friends, the problem begins because the organization, this is, I really wanted to say ask a black person, but there is a black person on this Protestant welfare agency. Her name is Jennifer Jones. This is the same woman who, for the sake of looks, co-sponsored the police reform um, reinvention commission. The Re reform commission held a series of police reform and collaborative listening sessions in October, but they haven't done a damn thing since. Let's just keep it 100. This was just a show to be like, hey, we know that we suck. We know that we do stop and frisk. We know that our police are going out here abusing power. We know that they're using ex excessive force. We know that the New York Police Department has had a history of being a horrible terrorist organization. Let's talk about it. And do nothing after that, but we're going to talk though. Yes, we are. That's basically what this was. It's quite embarrassing when you break it down like that. But here's the thing about this. This is the welfare. Now, I understand that we don't split everything. We don't split anything in this country proportionately as it should be split. But I want us to say for giggles that the welfare, the Protestant Welfare Federation would split things evenly based on who is on welfare. So let's take a look at who's on welfare in the city of New York, shall we? 56.4% of the people in New York who are on welfare are white. 17.3% are Latino. 15.6% are black. Obviously, there's some more percentages, but those are the main one I, ones I want to talk about, right? I need you to keep that in mind because I'm going to break that down a little further, but I want to get to these other ones that are getting money as well. So $1 million is going to be awarded to the New York Immigration Coalition, $1 million awarded to the Asian American Federation, $1 million awarded to the Charles B. Wang Community Center, which is a community health center founded in 1971 that is a nonprofit organization that is federally a federally qualified health center that provides primary health care to members of the Asian community. And then $1 million is going to be awarded to the APICHA Community Health Center, which specifically stands for the Asian Pacific Islander Coalition of HIV AIDS. So the last three that I read were entirely for the Asian community. So now I decided to do my little basic math because y'all know I'm an English major, but let me break this down mathematically. So we got $5.5 million to help the Latino community. Fine, like I said, we know they're the most impacted. But you can easily round that up to just shy of $7 million, and I'm going to tell you why, because $1 million is going to the immigration coalition. So we know the Latino population has a large chunk of chunk of immigrants. So I'm gonna go ahead and give them $500,000 for that. Right now, if we're, if we assume they're going to distribute evenly the welfare funds, then that's another actually 7.1 million. So that's another 935,000 from the Protestant welfare agencies because of their percentage in that, in that the number of people who have welfare. So now we're looking about $7 million for the, the Latino slash Hispanic community, right? There was no white federation per se, but as I said, they make up 56, what, 56.4%? Yeah, 56.4% of the welfare population in New York. So if you break that down mathematically, that means that 
white folks will get $3.1 million of that money if it's done evenly, even though Asian and white people were the least affected. Speaking of Asian and white people being the least effective, the Asian American Federation, the Charles B. Wang Federation, the Asian Pacific Islander Coalition of HIV AIDS, those are all, <laughs> those are all Asian um, federations. So they're going to get at least 3 million once you kind of factor in the welfare funds, we're looking at about 3.5 million for them. None of these are directed towards the black community. So at best we can hope for what we would get for, from the welfare fund, the Protestant welfare fund. So when you break that down mathematically, that means the black community, which is the second most impacted, would get $150,000. $150,000. For the black community. That is what we can anticipate getting, even though the governor did this whole dog and pony show saying that we are the most affected and he wanted to make sure that that was addressed. Now, I don't know if he thought that we was going to go out here and do this math, but I did. And this is what a lot of people sent me. And you can't not give us any money because I'm going to tell you now that I've broken this down mathematically, I'm going to tell you what this $150,000 means to me after I let you listen to this. Take a listen. We have to get in those communities and we have to knock on those doors and we have to convince people and put them in a car and drive them and get that vaccine in their arm. That is the mission. So your mission is to go door to door, knock on doors and get people to go get the vaccine. That's that $150,000 to me sounds like it is funding boots on the ground. It sounds like to me that you are going to get that money because everybody else is funded. Everybody else can have a conversation, a civilized conversation. Everybody else is going to get the tools, the information, the education, the resources to go out and make an educated decision to get this to get this vaccine. Dare I say, might even get some incentives. They might even get some monetary incentives. Here in LA, they're giving us $50 if we go out and get that first vaccine. In Long Beach, they did this whole joint for jabs. They were giving you a joint if you went out and got a jab, which I have a problem with because we still got black people incarcerated over joints. But you, but okay, that's a story for another day. Let's focus on New York. Because now you do have financial resources to, to motivate people to go out and get this vaccine if you so choose. This, these groups that you're talking about when you're talking about black and Latino communities, those communities that are the black and Latino communities that are affected are largely also not doing as well. They're in some sort of state of poverty. So you've got resources to, to, to address that need, that financial need. Now you have resources to motivate people to get a vaccine. I'm not saying that they're what they're doing. I'm saying follow me down this road because this doesn't make sense. Mathematically speaking, black people are only going to get about $150,000 if you break that welfare fund down evenly. We know we don't get even, but let's just rock with it. Let's say they do do it evenly. We get $150,000. That sounds like boots on the ground to go do these illegal search and seizures in black people's homes. That's what it sounds like. And this is why you're having such a hard time convincing black people to get this vaccine. You got black people that I know the United States has commissioned to go out and say, this is the message that you got black com commentators and, and news analysts saying, 
hey, don't look at Tuskegee because then it wasn't like the United States gave them syphilis. It was just that they didn't treat them for it. And now this is the opposite because the, the U.S. government is trying to treat you for something. If y'all don't go straight to hell with that narrative, do not give passes for evils. And that's what I don't like about these kind of black commentators. We are not giving passes for the evils that have been done to us in the past from a country has, who has yet to atone from those evils. No, we are not. We are not going to hear this white man talk about he wants to get people to knock on doors and get them in cars. Those are police vehicles that are going to have people in the back of them that look like us. This is an atrocity. This man is getting it wrong again. This is not his first time getting it wrong. This is the first time that I am greatly appalled because we are not dumb. These politicians, y'all got to stop playing us like we stupid. Don't play us like we stupid because we know that you're going to come for us. We know that if we don't know nothing else in this country, we know that you coming for us. And this is what you say, your, mon your monetary influx of money to address this doesn't address us. There's not one organization on this list that gives a damn about us. And you want us to be like, oh, he cares? Look here, let me tell you something. I'm not gonna tell you whether you should get vaccinated or not. I've told you that before. That is your own decision. You need to make the decision that is best for you. But if you are looking at what our government is telling us, I understand why you don't wanna do it. I 100% understand. The United States government, the governor of New York, Joe Biden, y'all looking very, you're, you're looking like your descendants. You're looking like your ancestors. Very much so. You haven't given us a reason to trust you. And we damn sure don't trust this vaccine. Now, I would argue that this is a worldwide pandemic. If you feel better, fly out the country <laughs> and go get this vaccine somewhere else. That you feel like they care about their people a little bit more than this country cares about black people. If you want to get it, I'm with that. Even better, go to a white neighborhood and get this vaccine. Do not get this vaccine from some truck that pulls up to the black community. I get that mindset. And here's something else I'll tell you. Fox News has been one of the biggest proponents of do not get this vaccine. They have also sent out an email to all of their employees saying that they will not have to go, go through daily screenings if they get the vaccines. These white billionaires were trying to get the vaccine before anybody else. Follow the money. You guys got to follow the money. Again, I am not telling you what to do with regards to this vaccine. I'm telling you, follow the money. Because if these billionaires want to get the vaccine, if they want to make sure their employees get the vaccine because they do not want them to stop working, follow the money. That's all I'm going to say. But keep your distrust for America and the government because this right here was not meant for us. This $15 million that he set aside was not set aside for nary a black person in the city of New York. I can tell you that for a fact right now. Y'all do with that information what you want. But what we not going to do is pretend that black folks is walking around here. Stupid governor. Do better. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I can't wait to get into this one because, you know, he's out here talking about he's letting all the beans spill about the Packers. I can't wait to break this one down for you. Stay with me. All right, all right. We are at the half of At the Half. I'm your girl, Jackie Ray. You can follow me on all things social media at J Ray the Fanatic. We finally have some closure 
in this whole Green Bay Packers saga that I just didn't know if we was ever going to get to this point. If you follow me on any platform, you know that I said that Aaron Rodgers was probably going to retire, that he was not going to play this season. Uh, given his age, though, I understand why he wouldn't want to do that because a body in motion tends to stay in motion, so you might not want to get out of basketball shape. So I do understand him choosing not to do that, but I tell you, he even said that he thought about it, and I honestly thought, that's the way it was going to go. We know that he showed up to training camp this week, and now we know that there is a contract in place that is designed to help facilitate Aaron Rodgers' exit from the Green Bay Packers. This is, again, understandable, but weird to me because you're you're literally playing for an organization that we, as if those of us who are in sports like that and we we follow sports news and we report sports news, even what they've do, they're doing to Aaron Rodgers isn't new. They did the same thing to Brett Favre. So Aaron Rodgers just kind of came into a regime that doesn't value quarterbacks the way that they should. Aaron Rodgers is a goat to me. He's he's the only reason that we probably and this is just my opinion. Y'all can take it or leave it, but it's my show. <laughs> so to me, the only reason we don't have him in the same category as a, a Tom Brady is because. He wasn't given the weapons. And sometimes I even cringe at myself when I say that because I don't think any of the weapons that are, were around Tom Brady were that amazing. Although I do think uh, the coaching mindset of Bill Belichick is flawless. It is a once-in-a-lifetime mind. I know people will argue with me on that one because of what he's doing right now. Cam Newton, unfortunately, is at the end of his career. And you it's hard to make lemons out of lemonade or lemonade. You all know what I'm trying to say. You can... But it's not that easy. You can't just put that lemon juice in water and expect it to taste good. You need some sweetener in there. And I don't know if Cam Newton has that anymore. So I still think he's one of the best coaches we've ever seen. And, and you know, the, the Packers just went out of their way to not give Aaron Rodgers what he needed. Nonetheless, we get to this moment in time where now we know that a contract has been put in play. Um, he said a lot of things that I think were very on point about this organization and, and as far as how they treated him and how he interpreted that. One of the things he said at the end of his speech was when he was talking to the sports writers in the room, it would be like you going out here and writing this amazing story that got, got all this attention and now your name is known. And then you say, Hey, I want a, a raise. And your organization says, Nope, we're not going to give you that. Then you write another story and it's like a Pulitzer Prize story. And, and now you go, back to your employer and you say, Hey, you know, I want to raise. And they say, no. And then you start pursuing other options. And then when they find that out, they say, Hey, well, we'll give you more money. At that point, it's too late. You realize that you're not valued within that organization. And he pretty much says that's exactly what happened to him with the green Bay Packers. And I think we can see that. I think regardless of how you feel about this situation, you can't argue that we can definitely see that this is, this is what that was there. So he said that there was a lot. He said that they wanted the main thing that he said that I was surprised that the Green Bay Packers did not get was that he wanted them to learn about how uh, learn from their mistakes of the past and learn how to treat some of these vets because they were not treating these vets properly. Basically, he was saying that, you know, Green Bay is not a, it's not a, it's not a, what did he say exactly? 
it's not a resort town or it's not a vacation destination, you know, and they should listen to him when it comes to why people are coming there. I have a clip from him. I want you to hear really quickly. A lot of things have transpired. This wasn't, uh, you know, a draft day thing, you know, this was, uh, started with a conversation in February that the season ended and I just expressed, you know, my desire to be uh, more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. Um, also, uh, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from them some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated um, and just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, players. That I so, and that's a good point. So he said, you know, he was specifically talking about a lot of people. I probably won't remember all of them, but I know he was talking about Charles Woodson, Clay Matthews, Jordy Nelson, Julius Peppers, uh, Randall Cobb, who he is getting back, TJ Lang, James Jones. Uh, like I said, a lot of people. His main point though, was they were very disrespected. They were either lowballed or not offered a contract at all. So Obviously, this is the Green Bay way. I think that now we can see that that Aaron Rodgers is saying, hey, you know, this organization not only is trash, it's been trash, and it's going to be trash after I leave, but I am leaving. So he, he said that there is a commitment for the 2021 season, but a commitment beyond that was never given. And like he said, he told them, look, if you're not going to commit to me, then go ahead and draft a quarterback. That is some BS to me. That would be like you saying to a man, hey, I know we're having problems. I know you like to go out here and, and run the streets with your boys, but I feel like you're not giving me enough, enough attention. And if that's what you're going to do, just go out here and get you a side chick. And him saying, say less, fam. Let me, let me introduce you to Brittany, my side chick. That is such a slap in the face. It is, I, Green Bay Packer fans, I feel bad for you because it's like, half of y'all grew up there and that's why you're a Green Bay Packer fan. I don't think you're just a Green Bay Packer fan if you're not from there because, you know, why? But like he said, it's not a vacation destination. Nobody goes to Green Bay because they want to live in Green Bay. You were either born there or you've got a job or you get the opportunity to play with Aaron Rodgers. But it's not a place that you want to go. And for him to own that and for so many quarterbacks across the league, quarterbacks who don't have the skill set that he has, the the mind that he has at the quarterback position are able to go to their GMs, to their coaches, and say, I want X, Y, and Z. I do not want this player to leave. This is These are some things that I want to see. I want to call my own plays. Aaron Rodgers has the lowest percentage, and I, I forget what it was. I looked it up, but I forget what it was. But he has the lowest percentage of plays that he can call on his own. The lowest percentage of anybody else in the league. Think about that for a second. That is insane. Obviously, this man has been doing this his whole entire life. He knows what he's doing. He should be given that respect. I am a little bit surprised. I'm not too surprised that he aired this out because this is what it is. This is why I have been in this position. I am not. Okay, let's just have a uh, <laughs> get to know Jackie moment. I am I am anti two weeks notice when it comes to jobs. And I'm going to tell you why. Unless you're in a job like what I'm at with the Long Beach Post, the Fumble, anybody that works at ESPN, which these are contracts that you're under. 
Um, and in those instances, I 100% you think you should honor your contract because honoring your contract is going to benefit you in the next situation. You don't have to re-up that contract, but you do have to honor that contract. That being said, and that's only because of things going forward. That is not because you owe that to that company. It's because you owe it to yourself to not shoot yourself in the foot when you continue on in your career outside of that company. That being said, I have worked a lot of regular jobs. I am very anti two weeks notice on a regular job because on a regular job, they can come in and say, here's your little, here's your check you out. And they do that at the end of the day, which pisses me off. Y'all can call me. Y'all can FedEx me my check. I don't need to come in this little funky job that I don't like. No way. So I am very anti two weeks notice because they do what's best for them. And at the end of the day, if they don't like you for whatever reason, they we're at will state. Colorado, at will state. Those are the states I'm most familiar with. So if they want to say, hey, we don't like you. We don't like how you do your podcast on the side and you talk about these types of political things. They could develop a policy that says you can't do that and they can just get rid of you. So if you wake up on a Monday and you go to work and you decide by lunchtime that this ain't it for you, don't go back. And I mean that because they would do that to you. When we're talking about sports, we've seen basketball players get traded while they're on the bus. We've seen guys that say, oh, I want to be loyal, get traded in the middle of the season at the trade deadline. These organizations, whether you're contractually obligated to them or not, have no loyalty to you. Thereby, I think you do what's best for them, the best, best for you. You don't do what's best for them. You do what's best for you. Contractually, if you're on a contract and they decide they don't want to finish out your contract, there's things in there to protect you financially. So yeah, it would suck, but there's things in there that means you're not going to all of a sudden need to be filing for unemployment, at least right away. So that's why I'm more keen on you doing your contract when you have a contract. But when you work a nine to five and a two weeks is required, bounce when you're ready. And I mean that. But the reason why, <laughs> even if you do give a two weeks notice, that employers will come back and give you your check the next day is because of this. Because usually if you are disgruntled, now if you're leaving because you got a new job, it's your dream job, and you actually had a great time at this company, they probably not only will have you rock out that two weeks notice, they'll probably have you train your replacement because you guys have a great relationship. That's fantastic. If you guys, if you've got that kind of relationship with your boss and your employer, rock with that. But when you get to the Aaron Rodgers state, which I have been at, now you got no dog in the race. Right now, if somebody asks you why you leaving, I'm leaving because, you know, and you just <laughs> let them know. And this is why. This is why I'm perplexed by both sides of this. I'm perplexed at Green Bay for wanting Aaron to stay, knowing that he don't owe you a damn thing right now. Not only is he going to let this air out, throughout the rest of the season, every misstep you take, he's not covering for you. He's going to let it be known because he's looking on to the next on the next front. And it's not the same where it's like, oh, well, if he does that, it's going to damage his reputation. It's not. We've been watching this play out for a long time. We've been saying that Aaron should have left a long time ago. We're not we're not going to get mad at him for being mad. That's not what we're doing. I tell you what, though, he goes out there and wins the Super Bowl. That is going to be the most sought after quarterback in the 2022 season ever. And I want to see that for him. And if this Jameis Winston thing does not pan out when you're looking for a home, might I suggest who that nation? Sidebar, don't like how uh, Michael Payton or uh, Michael Payton, Sean Payton called out Michael Thomas. Don't like that. That was not how we do. We are saints, okay? We keep our beefs internal. 
All right. Do better. Don't don't start being like these Green Bay Packers over here. Do better, Sean. You know I love you over there. All right, but when we come back, we're going to talk about an R. Kelly situation that I guess you guys are talking about because I for damn sure wasn't, but we're going to get to that when we come back. Later. It's summer. Are you ready? Because that means it's time for that custom braid style that has you looking flawless as you walk on the beach or sit poolside. Braiders, did you know a cosmetology license is not required for braiding services? So set up your Custom Cuts partner account today and make sure your next client is a custom client available on Google Play and iOS. Jackie Ray, thanks for checking me out. Don't forget to follow me on all things social media at Fanatic. Let's get into this one, you guys, because I gotta say, uh, I didn't know about this. <laughs> I did not know about this. I heard about it because a friend of mine sent it to me. I gotta be honest, if I'm keeping it 100, I ain't thought about R. Kelly. Uh, <laughs> I saw the surviving R. Kelly uh, which, you know, I think at that time we talked about, can you listen to R Kelly music now that we know all that he's done? I still say yes. I had to do a pause for effect. Cause I know y'all feel some type of way about that. Um, I don't think that just cause you step in the name of love means that you condone what he did. I think they can exist on separate planes or they can exist at the same time. Both can be true. He can be a horrible person who made good music and those things can exist on the same plane. That's me. Um, but that R Kelly, uh, and Jay Z album is still an album for me. And I'm, and I don't know what y'all want me to say about that, but let's move on. <laughs> um, because this one, I had, like I said, I hadn't heard about this. I have not thought about R Kelly. Um, his music occasionally comes up in my playlist because again, I haven't, I haven't banned his music like that, but aside from, and it doesn't even, let me tell you, R. Kelly is so far out of my mind that it doesn't even like, I don't even think about this. I am one of those crime TV type of person people. So I definitely am looking forward to this trial starting in August. I will be watching that for sure, just because I'm sure it's going to be filled with a lot of outbursts from R. Kelly. I'm not making excuses for R. Kelly at all. I do believe that that man suffers from a demonic mental Ill illness, and I think you can see it. Again, not making excuses for him. I think not only should he be thrown in jail, a level of cement should be thrown over him, over him, and he should never get out, ever. Uh, that's just my opinion. So I get this a message from a friend of mine that says, "See." You know, I think I think that Van Lathan is right about this R. Kelly news and everybody's in uproar over this new R. Kelly news. And I'm like, what new R. Kelly news? They're trying to add a charge on top of what he's already charged with, um, saying that he sexually abused a 17 year old boy in 2006. Prosecutors say if permitted, one witness is expected to testify that Kelly directed her to obtain child pornography involving him um, in child pornography involving boys for him. Now we know that the feds all went in and they took a lot of tapes. We know that there was the incident where he urinated on that girl. So we know there was a lot of child pornography in there. So I wouldn't be surprised if there, you know, was something else that they found in there. Um, and then they said, uh, that 
the filing state, they found multiple videos were obtained from a device during the search of R. Kelly's home that corroborate her testimony. However, their filing also states that the government has been unable to confirm the identity or ages of the individuals in these videos. Now, this makes sense to me that they weren't able to identify these individuals. I would even say without knowing all the details of it, that they probably didn't know if they were male or, or female. And the reason why I say that is because if you did watch Surviving R. Kelly, you remember a young lady named um, Dominique Gardner. Now, as the story progressed, there were times there was another young lady. I can't remember the other young lady's name, but she was the singer and she was always seen with this dude. Well, as the story progresses, you find out the dude that she's being seen with is not a dude. It's Dominique. It's a young lady named Dominique who also went to R. Kelly, you know, during this whole window of time. And he kind of stuck them together. And if you remember the interview with her, Dominique, she was specifically asked, hey, why did R. Kelly make you dress like a boy? What did he do to you? She didn't want to talk about that. She's very adamant that she's not there yet. She doesn't want to talk about that. She recently had a baby. So I think she's doing okay. She hasn't come out of that masculine role. She was always a tomboy, which I, you know, but she was still, it wasn't like you would see her on a tape and not know if she was a girl. She still hasn't come like all the way out of that masculine um, presentation, if you will. But she has a man who loves her, so it is what it is. Van Lathan is the guy. He kind of got his claim to fame on TMZ when when Kanye West said that asinine statement about slavery and Van Lathan called him out. I have been so proud and honored to follow his career. He used to live in the same building as me, um, Franklin Manor in Hollywood. And I just love to see his growth. It's so inspiring. He has been so diligent and TMZ let him go for all the wrong reasons. I personally haven't watched TMZ since he's been gone, but he's leveled up from that, built his own platform. His platform is a go-to for me. So I, I miss this though. <laughs> I don't know how I miss this because I did not see this. A friend of mine sent it to me, but I have to say that I emphatically disagree with his sentiment. Now he, his, his premise is that when black people found out or when the general public found out that R Kelly possibly as sexually assaulted a 17 year old boy, that this was like, we found out for the first time and like things were way worse. So take a listen. And the reason why people were shocked in a brand new way, in my opinion, by this R Kelly news is because I think People hate gay people more than they love little black girls. Because because this was male on male, it was seen as something more untoward. It was seen as something nastier. It was seen as something more evil. But it was when it was little black women getting picked up 14, 15, 16, 17 years old at a McDonald's. And getting taken advantage of and groomed by this guy, there were a lot of people that were willing to make excuses for him. Can I play devil's advocate for a second? Because so she did play devil's advocate, and and I I love um what she had to say, but I don't know if I even agree with her her you know assessment of it uh, per se. I think the first of all, I think Van Lathan is wrong. I don't think anybody's upset in a brand new way. I don't think people are really paying attention to it because I haven't seen the attention paid to it. Um, 
I don't think that any of us who actually watched Surviving R. Kelly thought we're surprised by this. I don't think any of us even flinched. I do not think he said that he feels that people hate gay people more than they love little black girls. There is absolutely positively no love for little black girls. If there was love for little black girls, R. Kelly wouldn't have been able to get away with this for so long. The excuses that were made for R. Kelly wouldn't have been made. Let's just be real about it. Because if he had picked up Becky, the first time he would have picked up Becky, R. Kelly would have been in jail because our United States justice system views little white girls with higher value than they view little black girls. On top of that, R. Kelly being a black man, if he had taken a little white girl, it would have been over for him. And we know that. There's no love for little black girls at all. Um, now, if you talk about the black community, I, I mean, historically speaking, yes, we have a problem with homosexuality. Let me, let me be clear. And I am so thankful for so many African people who are on Instagram and TikTok now, and they share all of this history because as Americans, you know, we are basically disenfranchised Africans, right? So we don't know our history. So I'm so thankful to all these people who have literally held these moments where we can learn our history. Homosexuality in, in African cultures was not viewed the same way it was in white European cu cultures. We didn't have a problem with it. How we began to have this problem with it is because us being a strong people. Now we do know this as far as slavery here in the United States, that was one of the ways that they would get a strong black man to try to fall into sub submission as they would rape him publicly. So doing that in Africa, doing that here in the United States, that is how we be, that is what began our disdain for homosexuality because we, we just viewed it as, you know, love is love back in the day. You know, our ancestors viewed it like that here. It was a way to dehumanize us and therefore we hated it. Those, that's a legitimate reason to hate something like that. Let's just be, keep it 100. But I think we've reached a level now. We have so many black entertainers, um, not little Nas X, let me just say that. But we do have so many black entertainers who are gay or who support um, the LGBTQ community that now I don't think that there's that level of hate. So I, I get that there's work to still be done. I personally don't think it changed a thing at all. For us, it was just like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like R. Kelly. We we heard about the way he liked to have sex, the way he br brutalized women, the things that he did. You hearing you wanted to do that to a little boy, that don't that don't change nothing. That's still that's R. Kelly being R. Kelly. We saw you dress up this little girl as a boy. We saw that on we saw that on the documentary. Our opinion has not changed at all about R. Kelly. I don't know why I get it, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I get it. That's the kind of influence the LGBT community has. It's like everything's got to be a big deal. It's one of the reasons why I don't like the joining of the narratives you know, things that affect black people do not necessarily affect the gay community and vice versa. I get joining forces, but the narrative is different. And I don't like the meshing of the two because there are things that just don't, it's not the same, right? 
But it does not change our opinion, especially black people. It doesn't change our opinion of who R. Kelly is. Now, maybe I missed the uproar. If you were one of those people that saw this and was like, oh, my God, this is too far. First of all, why is it too far? Why, why are you surprised that a person who likes young people likes all young people? That's what I don't know. Y'all let me know. That is such a weird way to end the show, I would admit. But this whole thing with R. Kelly is weird. What would be weird is if I ended the show with Step in the Name of Love, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I am just going to get out of here right now and tell you guys have a wonderful weekend. If you're my friend in Denver, hit me up because you know I'm so bad with letting y'all know when I'm in town. Make sure you check me out every Monday through Friday on the Fumble Live at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, for the next two weeks, the opposite reaction is not going to come out, but make sure you check me out on Instagram. Find out when we will be going live on Instagram and uh, YouTube and Facebook because that is going to happen. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. Follow me on all things J. Ray the Fanatic, and I'll see you next week. Bye.